Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap. Today's Thursday, November 5th. Stocks are up, the number of uncounted votes is down, and we're focused on the state of Arizona. What we know so far is that the presidential election is coming down to just four states, Arizona, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. And of those, Arizona may be the most surprising. It's long been considered one of the country's most stalwart Republican states, even the home to two Republican presidential nominees. It went for Trump by about three and a half points in 2016, has a Trump-aligned Republican governor, and when it got called by the AP and Fox News for Joe Biden on Tuesday night, reportedly caused something of an emotional meltdown among certain Trump campaign staffers. As of right now, Biden's up by about 60,000 votes, or 1.4%, with the state's largest county set to release more results tonight at around 9.30 p.m. Eastern. So we want to dig into what happened in Arizona and what might happen next with a couple of local experts. The first of them is Hank Stevenson, a reporter with the Arizona Capital Times and editor of the Yellow Sheet Report. What, if anything, has surprised you most about Election Day and the following two days in Arizona? I think the AP race call of Arizona was kind of surprising. It came very early on. I would have expected the AP to be a little bit more cautious, given that two years ago they called our Secretary of State's race wrong. And I'm not surprised that it's tightening, but I am surprised that the lead outright wasn't a little bit more to give Joe Biden a cushion. On the Senate side, Mark Kelly, I think, won by about four points. Why do you believe Biden is running behind where Kelly ran? I think that was to be expected. And really, Martha McSally ran two years ago, lost there, was appointed to the seat, ran again this year, didn't change her tactic. Democrats ran very, very strong campaigns both two years ago and this year. So the fact that Martha McSally is doing slightly worse than the president and that Mark Kelly is doing slightly better than Joe Biden doesn't surprise me at all. I'm curious, within Arizona, just kind of on the ground, is there any frustration among people that the vote is taking so long to come in? Yeah, of course there is. But there's nothing out of the norm for this. There has been no election in Arizona in recent years that was close that, you know, we weren't waiting on the results. It takes time to count these ballots. And in fact, this is going a lot more smoothly than in past years because we've allowed counties to start counting their ballots, their early ballots that come in through the mail a whole week earlier. It used to be that they could start a week before the election. Now they can start two weeks before the election. So that's speeding the process up considerably. There have been some protests, uh, people holding Sharpies in parts of Arizona and Maricopa County. Is there anything that folks outside of Arizona should know about these protests? And is there any there there when it comes to the alleged scandals? No, no, there's no there there. Look, the Maricopa County started using Sharpies because they dry faster than ink and don't gunk up the scanning machines. This conspiracy got started by a handful of lawmakers, really, maybe some outside groups that were kind of pushing this idea that because there's bleed through in the Sharpies on your ballot, that it will screw up your ability to vote. That's not true. They knew there was bleed through. This was all accounted for. Part of the problem, part of the reason that this conspiracy started is because this year there was a change in Maricopa County where before, if you got an early ballot by the mail and you showed up to vote on Election Day, you would be handed a provisional ballot. 
Maricopa County is no longer doing that. Now they're canceling your mail ballot. So people are looking up their ballot status and saying, my ballot was canceled and I went and voted in person. Your mail ballot was canceled. The ballot that you voted in person was counted on site in front of your eyes. So there is no reason to believe that there's any there there to this Sharpie Gate conspiracy. And I think the politicians fanning those flames are being incredibly irresponsible because most of them know better. They're also besmirching a company that Donald Trump clearly loves in Sharpie. Final question for you. When tonight ends, if Joe Biden is ahead and wins Arizona, and Arizona has two Democratic senators, should people view Arizona, which has long been one of the kind of more stalwart red states, is it now a blue state? I think it's still an anomaly that it will remain to be seen whether we're truly a blue state. Look, Democrats here were poised to make huge advances in our legislature. And unless something changes with these final ballots, that is not going to happen. So to call Arizona a blue state oversimplifies it. Hank Stevenson, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks a lot. Now we want to turn our attention and welcome in Dr. Kate Kinski, a professor of communications at the University of Arizona. And Kate, I want to start with you with a question I also asked Glenn, which is why do you think Biden is running a bit behind where Mark Kelly ran, at least in terms of percentage? He wasn't able to visit based on the idea that his campaign didn't believe they should be holding the large rallies over concerns that would be spreading the virus. The Trump campaign didn't have those same concerns. Trump was able to visit Arizona seven times, and that made a difference. There was a physical presence of Trump being in Arizona. Arizonans didn't see that from Biden, although I think everyone understands that that was because of the virus. At the same time, being physically present meant that Trump was able to connect with voters to get some free media coverage, because that always happens when presidential candidates visit a state. And so that helped the Trump campaign in comparison. There was some reporting that some Trump advisors wanted him to go to Arizona more, but he demurred in part because he didn't like because it was a longer trip. He would have to stay overnight. In retrospect, and I know this is all Monday morning quarterbacking, had Trump made, say, two, three more visits to other parts of the state, done rallies, do you think he'd be currently leading Biden? I think it would have closed things. There's no question based on the research that we know that when a candidate visits a state, that gets covered. It's not just the people who attend the rallies who are more enthusiastic about their candidate for being present, but we know that the local media coverage means that it's just that much more outreach. We also know that being present matters to people in a state. And so would it have narrowed the gap? Conceivably, yes. And it is, you know, a razor's edge margin in the big picture between the two candidates. The other part of the Monday morning quarterbacking is everything messaging wise surrounding John McCain and what the president has said. Obviously, Cindy McCain, his widow, came out and supported Joe Biden. That's been a big national story. Do you believe that what Trump has said about McCain, what Cindy McCain has said about Biden, do you believe that moved any actual votes? I think it continued a thread of difference for Republicans within the state. I think that it's a little bit harder to embrace a candidate when they are at odds with your party's senator, previous senator, someone who was respected within the state. I think Arizonans also sort of respect the idea of an independent spirit. I think that's what John McCain represented. That tension there certainly did no favors to the Trump campaign. You're a professor of communications. From a messaging standpoint, what was the most effective thing that either candidate did during this cycle? 
I think that the most effective thing that Trump probably did was be physically present. And that's hard because it kind of cuts both ways. On the one hand, it really repelled those who felt that people should not be in large gatherings. On the other hand, it did make him visible and physically present. On the Biden side, I think that Biden came in a bit late with the advertising on the social media feeds. If you take a look at a data that's presented by the Illuminating Project out of Syracuse, it shows that Biden did increases in social media buys that last couple weeks. I think that, you know, it would have probably helped him if he had started a little bit sooner than he did because he wasn't as physically present, but he did get that message out. Final question. I'm going to ask you something that no one can actually know. So I'm just going to ask for your gut check. Arizona says that at 630 local time, I believe this evening, they are going to release the rest of their votes. Who do you believe presidential candidate has won the state of Arizona? I'm going to suspect that it is Joe Biden. The reason is very simply that we know the Democrats made strong efforts to get out the early ballots because they didn't want people clustering at the polls and spreading the coronavirus around. That move means that the leftovers to be counted are primarily those early votes. It's going to favor the Biden campaign. Kate Kensky, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Beyond the election, what we're watching today is the U.S. Justice Department, which sued to block credit card giant Visa from buying Plaid, a Silicon Valley company that kind of serves as the fintech industry's plumbing, connecting your bank to all of those fintech apps on your phone. Now, the deal was originally announced back in January with a $5.3 billion price tag, but DOJ now argues that it would give Visa a monopoly on the online debit market. Something that Plaid isn't actually involved with much right now, but someday could become very involved with. In fact, Visa itself publicly worried about Plaid getting into online debit services. The bottom line, the process to buy Plaid was highly competitive because it doesn't really have any rivals. If Visa isn't allowed to buy it, expect another feeding frenzy. Oh, and one more DOJ item from today. The department has seized more than $1 billion in Bitcoin all allegedly tied to the Silk Road Marketplace, which used to be a website where people could buy everything from heroin to firearms. Now, the forfeiture still needs court approval, but in the meantime, the price of Bitcoin rose around 7% because so much of the cryptocurrency was taken out of circulation. And finally today, we are sadly continuing to watch the rising number of COVID-19 deaths in the United States. Over 1,000 for three straight days, topping out at over 1,600 yesterday. And the skyrocketing caseloads suggest that more hospitalization and heartache may be just around the corner. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great national donut day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.